Good morning. I'm Aya Wimala, and I'm here in northern Illinois, not too far from Blue Lotus Buddhist Temple, where I've been for many years. Um, and it's Friday, December the 11th. Who'd have thought, right? I wanted to start out by showing you something that's been a lot of joy for me recently. Most of you, if you've if you've uh, been listening to any of my talks, you know that I have a thing for the squirrels. So during the pandemic, I became a very serious feeder of chipmunks and squirrels and birds. Most, a lot of the birds are gone now. I think we've had a lot that have migrated through. But my latest thing has been an amaryllis that my friend Marty Gorman gave me. So, and it, look how big it is. Can't even get it all in the camera. I'd say it's about, well, I want to say two feet tall, but probably more like 18 inches, 20 inches. So this is my amaryllis. It just started out as, you know, that uh, kind of a capsule of dirt that swelled up when you put some water on it and the bulb. And now I've got these three beautiful stalks I noticed this morning this is the second one to start blooming and this is my biggest one and it almost looks like it has two flower, two uh, blooms in it. So this has been such a treat for me. So of course I talk to it, but I also have to adjust it to help it find as much sunlight because I can't put it outside, it doesn't like the, the cold weather. Plus the squirrels would probably eat it. But I have to adjust it, so every morning I find a spot that's sunny, and during the day, if I'm sitting at my desk studying, you know, I'll look and think, well, it's starting to bend too far towards the sun, and I'll move it around. And uh, a few days ago, Marty sent me a picture with a text message of hers blooming. And hers is enormous, but it's one stalk. I have three stalks coming up. But we've been sending each other pictures every day at the state of the blooming. So uh, mine was a few days later than hers, and mine's going to be a different color. But we, we're keeping up with each other, and she sent me more instructions on how to take care of it. And it's been, it's been just a delight and a real joy. And then to get to share it with her and see how we're doing. She has one giant stalk and has, she thinks, maybe four blossoms coming out of it. So I have three stalks, and the second one is blooming. It's, it's, it's so much fun. She was a teacher for many, many years, middle school level. <laughs> And they always grew amaryllis. She and her students did it. They had several of them, and they uh, they watched and tracked the growth of their flowers. And uh, so now I get to do it. <laughs> it's good to have really dear friends who are, who have been teachers as long. And I, I was a teacher as well, but I was the my longest stretch of teaching was with. Uh, 
different different groups of students. I was working in juvenile corrections, so yeah, I love and middle school was kind of my passion to begin with. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you and. These are some of the sim simple things that, for me, the pandemic has been so uh, revealing to me. Just the simple things that really can give us that feeling of joy, and that's part of uh, that's part of the Buddha's teachings. The the awakening factors, those factors that that are showing us the way to enlightenment, and that keep us going. Um, joy is one of the most important, and it's finding those little bits of joy in our daily life. That's it, it, and eventually, it's we have to let all that joy go, right? Because it's only a, a the, my amaryllis is wonderful, but it's also very impermanent. Uh, but just having those experiences during the day, the squirrels that I watch and feed, uh, create. A sense of joy. If, if I'm just watching them, it's just, um, it's great joy to watch it. And then it passes, and then sometimes there might be a big hawk flying overhead, and then of course the joy is gone, and I start worrying about the squirrels and the birds. But it's uh, it's been a great teacher for me. Just has helped me really look at the. Uh, awakening factors and actually see them developing in my life more. So I hope you're doing the same. I'm sure many of you have been doing it for a long time. So I wanted to share something. And this, I've talked recently about uh, working with our stories, letting go of the stories, and just being with the emotion. Um, and I've put a few things on Facebook that came to me that were wonderful articles by good teachers about that. But we know that this, a lot of the suffering that comes from our memories or from our experiences are the stories that go along with the, the uh, felt emotions. And what we need to be working with what we need to be working with are the emotions uh, and the stories are not all that important. The stories are what get us hung up in the suffering. So I wanted to read just something short from Pema Chodron. Oh, and then I see a question from someone that I'd like to bring up. Okay, so this is a, an article from Pema Chodron, and it's actually from 2013. And I think I've, it's called Meditating with Emotions. Drop the story and find the feeling. And I think I've read from this before. One of the things that causes us to get so lost in our emotions is that we attach our stories to them. I discovered quite a while back that the escalation of emotions, where you're really in the river, swept away, losing all your perspective, totally carried away, by loneliness and anger and despair, is fueled by the storyline. Our emotions are like the stone thrown into the water without the rings. An emotion without the story is immediate, sharp, and raw. 
The direct experience of the emotion creates no ripples. But with the storyline, the ripples get larger and larger and go out further and further and actually turn into waves and hurricane velocity winds. The storyline really churns things up. You know how you might put on music in order to make yourself cry? Well, most of us definitely know that. You play a particular song and you just milk the sadness. Our storylines are like that, except we don't need music. We have our mind and our thoughts and they can rev up the emotions. But if we use our emotions as the object of meditation, as our friend and support, it's like standing on the bank of the river and observing. At Gampo Abbey, and Gampo Abbey is in Nova Scotia, right on the edge of a cliff. At Gampo Abbey, there are flagpoles on the cliffs above the ocean. We keep experimenting with putting flags out there because that's the point of flagpoles. Sometimes the weather is very calm and we experience those lovely flags in the stillness of slight wind. Other times there are incredibly high winds and the flags get shredded in a very short time. The image of the flagpole and the flag is a great one for working with thoughts and emotions. Because the flagpole is steady and holds, and then the winds are whipping the flags all over the place, tearing them to shreds, that's usually our predicament. We are the flags and the wind is just whipping us around. We're just whipped here and there and all over the place. And our emotions are escalating. Our thoughts are all over the place. But using thoughts or emotions themselves as the object of meditation is experiencing life from the perspective of the flagpole. At Gampo Abbey, we never have to get new flagpoles, even with her. I really like that. Be the flagpole, not the flag. So when we work with our difficult emotions in our meditation practice, what we have to do is back away from the emotion, back away from our story, like who hurt us, who did us an injustice, who, who are we fighting for? Um, so we have to look at the raw emotion and pay attention to that, investigate it, use RAIN, recognize it, accept it, investigate it, and just use a big magnifying glass to look at it. Don't try to think it through. That's when you get tangled up in the story and who did what and why and uh, what they, how they need to change. And so what we need to do is just look at the raw emotion so I've talked about that before, but just remember that if you see yourself going for the story and you want to be sure you get the story right or that you don't forget the slight or the history of, you know, a disturbance between you and another person or you in a situation or you on the job, um, just look at the of what rises up in you and what that emotional content is, context is. 
look at the causes and the conditions that are involved in the situation. So um, there was a question when I was talking about the flowers, and it might have just been the devil's advocate. Um, what about people who are suffering? So when I was talking about joy, well, when people are suffering and don't have enough money and can't afford food and or when they're sick. So what about what about that? What about those people? Well, uh, my experiencing joy in the flower blooming and the squirrels doesn't really isn't really effect, affecting people who are starving. Um, if if my uh, sitting sitting back in my house and watching nature is keeping me from being aware of that. I think that's something uh, that I like that I don't want to see happen. Uh, if I was trying to avoid the world and avoid understanding what's going on in the world and how the world operates, uh, that would be that would be saying I'm I'm trying to hide from the world. And I don't think that's the case. I mean, I think if we, if we do have something that's giving us so much pleasure that it's keeping our blinders on, I don't think that's how we want to live. Um, I think we have to be aware of the needs of other people. And that's where our compassion comes in. So uh, I can look at this beautiful flower blooming and I think about it, it's, the opening up is a beautiful image for me to look at, like that that flower is nurtured and it's protected from the weather, and that blossoming is a beautiful thing and it's very symbolic to watch. And if anything, it can encourage me in my practice and uh, keeps me going so I can do something and, and find ways to help people who are suffering. But the suffering that the joy is joy and tranquility are part of the awakening factors in the Buddhist practice. So yes, in the midst of great suffering, we can experience joy, and we need those uh, we need those opportunities to have those beautiful qualities arise because they're they're leading us to the path and helping us stay on the path. And those moments of joy, it's a pure joy that's uh, not at the cost of anyone else's uh, suffering. And it's something that helps us wake up. And that's where we can be the most help in the world. Uh, and then someone mentions uh, that talking about letting go of the stories. This is absolutely perfect for marriage especially. And I agree. <laughs> I wish I had known much more about it back when I was married. Um, the idea of separating emotions from the story, uh, that was, that, that was an, a concept that I had no grasp of until I started listening to Buddhist teachers. The story was all important and you know, how I told the story and when I told the story and uh, getting all the getting all of my facts right. So uh, yeah, I think that's a really good comment. So <laughs> good luck to you. If you if you uh, 
noticing, noticing, making that connection is really important. It's so easy with someone that we're really close to, to, uh, to get caught up in the story because we have that history and we can say, well, you've done this and this and this and, um, you know, changed. You know, we can, we can let our stories grow and grow. And if we have long histories with someone, if we aren't careful, the whole relationship might end up being based on past history because we allow those stories to really get, we let them get out of control. So and we see that with good friends. We see that with our family members. Um, we can carry the story around, but if we really, uh, if we really look, it would, I mean, if we really think about it for a while, the feeling of letting those stories go, if you just imagine what that would be like to be able to let them go, how beautiful that is, how beautiful to step back and not seeing yourself agitating and stirring stirring the pot and those it's like that stone that you throw into the pond and uh, it's beautiful to watch the ripples but if those ripples become tidal waves that's uh, that becomes a different story so if we can do that stepping back and sitting and watching it without stirring it and making the waves get bigger and bigger it's it's really it's one of the ways we can move towards joy and tranquility and those are those things will those qualities will never let us down once we've actually discovered those are the things that keep us going when it's when uh, when other things in the world might be rough and difficult and take and take all of our courage to to deal with them so i think for all of you um, it's good to see that you're really you know this is what we're doing when we wake up it, we're not waking up to everything being uh, renunciation and letting go of the things we love in life it's really finding things that are it's really letting go of the things we don't need any longer and that aren't satisfying anymore and finding the ways we can find true happiness and true peace. And sometimes they're the smallest little things and that's, that's how we know we're, we're moving on that path in the right direction. So let's see, we have well, our time is about up because I started late today, probably getting sidetracked and watching my flower. So I'm going to show you my flower one more time because the next time I show it to you, see how. And just two days ago, I couldn't even imagine what color it was going to be. So very exciting. So I don't think there'll be a lot of sunlight today, so I'll be moving it around and moving it around. Today is the last day of my um, Satipatthana class, my, the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, taught by Bhikkhu Analeo through a Bari Retreat Center, or 
Bari Meditation Center in Massachusetts. And it's been a nine-week class. It's been a joy, really. And it's been a joy that's been uh, difficult and taken time and asked for... Um, I'm sad that it's ending, but hopefully it's going to be a, a big part of my practice in the coming in the future and it's a deeper understanding of the four foundations of mindfulness and the importance to this entire practice so hopefully i can feel confident to share some of the things i learned with all of you so have a please have a safe weekend there is a i did get an email a newsletter from rick hansen and he wrote The Buddha's Brain and some other books, and he's a great, he's a Buddhist scientist. And uh, there's a new, you may have read this already, there's a new, I guess it's a documentary, and there's a trailer for it, a 15-minute trailer on his newsletter, so you can just look up Rick Hansen. And it's actually a really a nice newsletter. But... Um, it's called My Year of Living Mindfully, and it was done by a woman, and uh, I don't remember her name, but it's just come out, and so the trailer is available, and it's also available through Amazon Prime. So I don't know if it's free or if you have to buy it, but check out the trailer, My Year of Living Mindfully, and that maybe for a lot of us this pandemic has been great uh, excursion into uh, working at living mindfully. And living mindfully doesn't mean to be disconnected from the world. It means to be uh, able to be at peace and still and be connected to the world and be a help and not a hindrance. Okay, so check that out. And uh, Sandy's saying his podcast is awesome. I read his articles, but I, I guess the podcast would be great just to listen to. He's, he's, uh, he's always got something that's worthwhile. And he's uh, typically just up in Madison. So after living for over 30 years in Madison, I feel proud. He and Richie Davidson work together, I think, on a lot of projects. So... Uh, or at least they were in Madison. I think Richie Davidson still is. So have a wonderful weekend. Be very careful and remember the Buddhist teachings that if we each take care of ourselves, then we're taking care of each other. But first we take care of ourselves. And if we are safe, then we'll be helping, we'll be keeping others safe as well. I think his teachings about that are so perfect for the pandemic. And we have a ways to go before we can feel safe and uh, find out what our new normal is going to be. So be safe and uh, find joy. Thank you.